Welcome to Africa for Zero Waste podcast, where we have thought-provoking conversations about zero waste shared by real people implementing solutions across Africa. I'm Sureshni Ryder, and today we will discuss waste colonialism in the global south. On the show, we're excited to have some very special guests. We are joined by Semia Garbi. Semia is an environmental science and management expert and chairperson of Tunisia's Association of Environmental Education for Future Generations. It's a non-profit working to promote resilient education and envisioning a world where everyone lives in a healthy environment without toxic chemicals. Her work has focused on ending health threats from mercury plastics, plasticides, lead and paint, EDCs, incineration, waste issues, and all pollutants related to Stockholm Basel, Rotterdam, Minamata Conventions, as well as Agenda 2030. Magesri is a Senior Research Officer with the Consumers Association of Penang and Sahabat Alam Malaysia, Friends of the Earth. She coordinates and oversees operations of projects undertaken by organizations such as on the promotion of agroecology, protection of natural resources, minimizing exposure to toxic chemicals, and ensuring environmental health and justice. Welcome, ladies. It's wonderful to have this discussion with you. Before we get started, let us define what waste colonialism is. Colonialism in the waste sector is evident in many ways. It can be described as the export of waste from economically powerful countries to lower-income countries. This is further compounded by the double standards that corporates have by sending cheap, single-use products to global South countries. Furthermore, petrochemical facilities, which are part of the plastic production process, disproportionately impact poor communities and are usually placed in their neighborhoods, further entrenching the idea of environmental racism. To make matters worse, corporations often promote false solutions to problems they create in the first place, which are aimed only at maintaining their profits rather than systematically addressing the issues at hand. These include waste to energy incineration, plastics to fuel, and chemical recycling, amongst many others. Okay, now let's get into some case studies of waste colonialism in the global south. Let's start off with Magesri from Malaysia. Thanks for giving us this opportunity. I would like to share a story on the steps taken in Malaysia to stop the dumping. Malaysia was the largest recipient of plastic waste in 2018 after China closed its doors to waste imports. So since early 2018, the communities in Jinjarum and Klang near the major seaports in Selangor started complaining of pollution and health problems uh, related to this air pollution. Investigations by the communities exposed the mushrooming of uh, illegal plastic recycling plants and uh, dump sites of plastic waste that could not be recycled. You see, not all types of uh, plastic waste can be recycled here. So besides the air pollution and burning, our soils and water bodies were also contaminated. So what the community group did was they were scouting the area and uh, started documenting the illegal facilities and the dump sites. This information was uh, sent to the relevant authorities, but at first there was no action taken by the authorities. The issue was then highlighted in the media, both local and international. We had the CNN, BBC, the Australian news channels, Canadian news channels highlighting this issue. Then the government started taking action. 
they raided illegal recycling plants, shut them down, and also took action against recycling factories uh, that did not comply with environmental regulations. Uh, the government then um, announced temporary moratorium in mid-2018. But then, you see, when the government took action in certain areas, the recyclers started moving to other states and uh, remote areas. So what we did, the civil society organizations again exposed these injustices and uh, campaigned for government action. So we called for an end to these waste imports as we are being burdened with other countries' waste. Uh, right now, what we can see is, um, although there are some prohibitions, the government is still allowing waste imports uh, by issuing approved permits. So these are the actions that we took locally. We also need to ensure that waste is not smuggled into our country. This actually should be the responsibility of the government, but then we have to be vigilant. Yeah, The CSOs have to be vigilant, the communities have to be vigilant for the well-being of our communities and the environment. At the international level, what we did was uh, the advocacy of uh, civil society organizations in 2019 at the Basel Convention on the Control of Transboundary Movements of Hazardous Waste and their Disposal. It resulted in increased transparency in the trade in plastics, the right for countries to know and refuse mixed and contaminated or dirty plastic waste imports through the prior informed consent measures. Yeah, so what you need to do is to check yeah, in the southern countries uh, whether your country has ratified the Basel Convention and Basel Ban Amendment. And uh, although we have the Basel Convention, we also have to avoid the loopholes. There are certain plastics that is not included in the Plastic Waste Amendments. There is also the issue of plastic contamination in imported paper bales, plastics in electronic waste, and a majority of textile waste is also considered plastic waste. What we found was plastic waste is also mixed with other waste. These are processed and then imported as refuse-derived fuel or processed-engineered fuel. So we had uh, also tire scraps that were coming in. Yeah? So this will all end up in cement kilns or co-processing in coal-fired power plants. So we also need to ensure that the government is taking action on illegal shipments whereby some companies will falsify declaration yeah, uh, in the bills of lading. We also need to ensure easier returns of illegal consignments to senders yeah, and have the country of exports be accountable. Yeah. Uh, we also need greater collaboration and as I mentioned, Vigilance, yeah, to put an end to this uh, environmental crime and uh, social injustice. So there are so many steps that we have to take. Thank you so much, Mikesri. Semia from Tunisia. Thank you so much for this uh, invitation and uh, this uh, session about the colonialism in Africa. The colonialism, really, it is the word indeed, because we are militating for uh, like the reshipment of this kind of waste. We are facing a lot, a lot of problem as African region, as African continent, because we are considered as a second hand and a dumping continent for the waste that are not really uh, use it in the other continent and mainly in the developed countries. So whenever it is toxic or whenever it is not like useful, so they are uh, shipped to our uh, countries. So that's why we are militating to reship them and not to be considered as a second hand of countries for the developed countries. That's the thing that we are suffering from. And this is 
like the uh, 10% of the iceberg. But what about the 90% of the iceberg? What we, it was like for a long time. So doing that. And this is also, it is like somehow legislated. So we have some legislation like the, uh, the customs codes, which allow that this kind of waste is entering our countries. However, so this is also should be reviewed, uh, reviewed by, by all the countries and all the conventions, because we cannot like continue to have such customs and uh, legislated so legal like customs to receive waste and without any control. We know that in our countries, so we have limited resources to control and to find out with all these shipments in our countries. We have hundreds and hundreds and of, uh, of toxic chemicals and this is for products so additional to the waste and we receive a lot of mixture waste that we don't know what are from so i think this is it is considered like a colonialism uh, waste this is another form of colonialism by waste uh, in tunisia we also leave this case because in 2020 so we received a waste from italy so italy is like a border a neighbors of us so but unfortunately we receive it uh, this is a big like a uh, quantity of waste and it was like an agreement to receive each year uh, these quantities this is something incredible because this is it is under the Basel convention it is forbidden so and should be like notified so we have with the we know that Basel convention is working as a representative from different countries so we have the focal points of each countries and whenever you have to send a waste you so the 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 focal point of Basel convention in the country should notify the, the his colleague in the other countries however it wasn't the case and we receive it like 280 to uh, containers of mixture and municipalities waste. It was uh, like really incredible that this is happening for to our countries. And we are working two years non-stop with uh, to like uh, to support our government uh, to reship and to refuse that we are a dumping countries. And this is something that at least we won in 2022 because in last february so we shipped this waste to the to the country it was one not only for tunisia but for the africa continent we were really resilient towards this waste and we worked at national level so we worked with with the key person and i was one of this uh, person and uh, this committee as the network tunisian network and uh, we worked very hard and we worked and we linked our work to have a support from the different uh, international NGOs and it was really very supportive. And then the other point that we won when we resist and we work uh, towards refusing such uh, uh, like behavior towards our countries, it is like we get a lot because 
uh, with our also uh, colleagues in the uh, EU uh, NGOs, they they do a pressure on the um, the uh, the Parliament, and also they change the the legislation about the uh, the shipment of the waste. I think this is the kind of militation about this uh, colonialism, and we have to to stop such um, a, like a movement and such a behavior. So considering us as second-hand uh, countries, we are human, uh, we have our human rights, uh, we have our children, we have our vulnerabilities population, so we cannot accept. This is, it will be like this waste will be dumped or incinerated. That means we will have more uh, very, very dangerous substances. And even we don't know what is inside these substances. So this is really very, very uh, uh, dangerous uh, behavior. And we as African continent and we as uh, networks, we work together. And this is like the outcomes of the case of Tunisia, that we get a lot, a lot of uh, support uh, from the international NGOs. Uh, we we achieved the results and the objectives we, we wanted, and we uh, reshipped this waste uh, in less than two years. And we supported our countries and this is because we 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 believe that if we work together, we can get uh, and we achieve a lot of things, and we will stop this double standards one and this uh, colonialism second. So that's to summarize the case of Tunisia that we uh, lived in uh, like uh, since 2020 and stopped in 2022. And we hope that now the work is not stopped, is not finished. We have to continue because we have the customs codes where we are a lot, a lot, a lot of uh, waste that can be like a transboundary movement of waste, but this is under the customs codes and we have to work on these customs codes to stop really this in, in, in known waste because we have very like notification in many customs codes where we don't really understand what what are these components, what are these like waste, because sometimes we find and others, what are these others? We don't know anything. We have residues, residues from industries. What are these residues? What are made from? So we don't know. I think we have to be really uh, very careful and not and stop such kind of uh, like uh, movements of uh, uh, like waste because this is it is unfair for our countries. It is unfair for the health of our um, uh, population, and we need to be really clear, very transparent, and this is the other like, step that we have to work on. It is like to, as Basel Convention should be more strong on these issues to stop this colonialism in our countries and in the developing countries in general. And secondly, so we have to work on the customs codes where are many, many like codes are not really transparent and we don't know anything uh, inside. Against what advice can you give to other organizations that want to start a campaign that addresses imported waste in their country? Okay, uh, firstly, we need to generate information and data 
So this data has to be taken from evidence on the ground. Yeah. Once you have identified and documented the problem, we need to conduct strategic discussions on the issues that must be addressed. Uh, we also need to develop expert analysis. So for this matter, partnerships with universities are important yeah, to collect scientific evidence which can lend uh, credibility to our messaging. For example, uh, in terms of in Malaysia, Greenpeace Malaysia had also collaborated with uh, Greenpeace Germany to get the analysis, yeah, analysis of the soil and also uh, water. Yeah, so with that analysis, then we could take these findings and engage with the government agencies and also lawmakers yeah, so that they will take action on this issue. And uh, also, once we have collected all this data, we must communicate our position. Yeah? We also need to outreach to the public. Yeah, we, can, uh, we have to engage students and the public. Yeah? This can be done through forums or talk programs to create more awareness on this issue. And also, with the awareness, we will also be creating uh, more advocates yeah? for the waste trade issue to be resolved. Yeah, and uh, import, most importantly, we also have to engage with the governments. Yeah, and uh, you have your focal points to the Basel Convention, so we have to engage with them. Give us our data for our country to take uh, responsibility. Yeah, and also to bring up this issue uh, at the global level. In Malaysia, we have uh, several NGOs and community-based organizations working on this issue. In April last year, we had a meeting, and we decided to set up the Malaysia Stop Waste Trade Coalition. This is in the auspices of the Break Free from Plastic uh, Asia-Pacific Waste Trade Workstream. Our core activities are research, coalition building and also communications. So in that coalition, each organization has its own niche and we complement each other yeah, uh, with our common goal to end waste colonialism. I will talk to you a bit about the objectives of the co uh, coalition yeah, so that you can also start thinking of a campaign or setting up a coalition. So the first and second objectives of the coalition uh, consists of conducting our own research, fine-tuning uh, local communities' testimonies, and collating this data for presentation to key actors such as the government of officials, and we also communicate this to the public. Yeah? Our third objective uh, deals directly with the goal of having the coalition established as and also have a proper structure yeah, to ensure its sustainability and also a smooth uh, workflow among the coalition members. Most easiest is we had set up a WhatsApp group so that we can always be um, uh, in touch with the coalition members. Yeah? Uh, the fourth objective, which is also very important, is to provide support to the Break Free from Plastics Global Campaign on Waste Trade. Uh, this, we also work with uh, Gaia. We have provided evidences on the impact of waste trade uh, in many platforms. Yeah? Uh, these uh, programs are organized by Gaia or Break Free from Plastics and also other coalition members. Uh, the Malaysia Stop Waste Street Coalition uh, also took an active part in the campaign by the Break Free from Plastic movement last year and also Rethink Plastic Alliance, which advocated for the European Union to end the export of plastic waste. Yeah, so this included the OECD and non-OECD countries and also uh, EU itself. So uh, what the Malaysia Stop Waste Trade Coalition did was send a solidarity open letter to the members in the European Union. This was done in October 2022. And uh, to summarize what has happened is that the, in January 2023, the EU Parliament adopted its uh, negotiating position yeah, for talks with the EU governments on the new law and uh, to revise EU procedures and also control measures for waste shipments. So these are all very important steps to be taken. You will have to look at what is the you know, strengths of the 
organizations in your country and then probably start a coalition. Thank you so much, Mugesri. I appreciate that. What steps can we take in the global south to stop the dumping of waste in our borders? We have one only issue for our continent. We have the Bamako Convention. We have to make it as much as strong as we can. Because Bamako Convention is more strong than the Basel Convention, but it is not really implemented. So we have to implement this convention because this is the only way we can have to stop whatever things coming to our continent. So I think now we have to make a lot of pressure to make this uh, Bamako Convention working and implemented and whenever it will be implemented, so we will stop a lot, a lot of upcoming like uh, uh, waste in our continent. Megesfri, what would you say to any government officials in the global south who think that waste trade is a good economical decision? I would say, why do you burden our communities and the environment? Yeah, plastic waste is mostly traded under the banner of uh, plastic recycling. And we find that this trade in plastic waste is polluting our people and the planet. In some cases, it was just dumping the waste to other countries. And as I mentioned before, not all plastic waste can be recycled. These residual waste are dumped or burned. The costs and burden to public health and the environment far outweigh the revenue that is purportedly gained from this waste trade. Yeah? A rich and developed country should have the capacity to manage its own waste. Shifting the responsibility of dealing with plastic waste to developing and under-resourced countries is totally an injustice. Chemicals used in plastic products can contaminate recycled plastics. Yeah, so numerous studies have found toxic chemicals, including some globally or nationally banned substances, in uh, recycled plastic toys and other products. We also we have also found uh, these uh, banned chemicals in Malaysian products and uh, toys. Yeah? So all of our countries must take steps to ban all waste shipments. Yeah? We should improve enforcement and also the compliance capacity. Uh, exporting countries must take responsibility for their own plastics waste and also they should be reducing the consumption of plastics and also recycle dom domestically. Yeah? We all need to protect our borders and communities from the dumping of waste and plastic pollution. Yeah? So we have to end this uh, waste colonialism. And that brings us to the end of this episode. Thanks to our guests for joining us during that informative discussion about waste colonialism in the Global South. We hope this was beneficial to you. Thank you for listening to Africa for Zero Waste podcast. If you enjoy our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and be sure to come back next time. Until then, this is Sureshni Ryder. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.